From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. So, uh, we are in Genesis, and uh, we have been in Genesis, I think we're in part 39, maybe 40, um, and we're only in chapter 12, or 15, so we're not going very rapidly through Genesis, and I'm sorry. But when we went through Matthew, there was 28 days of Ma- 28 chapters of Matthew, so I had 28 days of Matthew, and that just seemed way too fast. So I really wanted to just pause and casually go through Genesis without, you know, pressure to finish it in any re- you know realistic time frame. Um, I remember there was a guy named Ron Harmon uh, at my church back in Phoenix, and he would, uh, I think he started the Book of John and it took him 30 years to get through the book of John or something. I don't remember anyway, but everybody everybody takes their own pace, and the, the slower pace you go, I believe the, the more blessed you are in really digging deep into some of this stuff. So um, if you think I'm going too fast or too slow, let me know. You know, Put it in the comments section or send me an email, but otherwise um, we're going to go at the pace that I want to go, so, and I'm in charge, so there you go. <laughs> Anyway, we are in Genesis 15. Uh, Just to give you a little brief update. Um, Abraham goes and rescues his nephew Lot. And then he comes back. Melchizedek, who is this priest king, comes and blesses Abraham. That's where we left everything. We spent a little bit of time on Melchizedek. We are now in Genesis um, 15. Let's just take a look and read. After this... The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham Abraham believed the Lord and it credited it to him as righteousness. So this is a a covenant with Abraham. This is God's promise to Abraham. If you'll remember, this isn't the first one. The first one was actually back in Genesis 12. Um, I guess we could probably even look at that. Um, The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, um, now nowhere in, in Genesis 12 does God make a promise to Abram that he will have sons or daughters or any offspring, right? He just says that I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you a great nation, uh, and you will bless the world through that. And if, if we look at this whole story of Lot, Abram was able to command 318 men out of his tribe to go and rescue Lot. So Abram is not just this flash-in-the-pan little guy. I mean, already he is 
in my opinion, a great nation. Already, in my opinion, God has blessed him tremendously. Uh, I, I, if I were Abram and I, and I had 318 men, not including women and children, probably in fighting age condition, uh, in my tribe, and I was like the leader of that tribe, uh, I would feel that I was a pretty great nation. Now, maybe it's not attached to property, but it's a great people. Um, now, there, even if you don't have any children, it's a great people. I will make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I mean, I think Abram could have been, you know, great. But as we know, uh, there is something about having offspring that is, um, well, Abram notices it, that there's, there's something about being, you know, having all this wealth and all this command of all these people, but there's no offspring. There's no way that I'm going to take who I am and pass it along to somebody in my bloodline. It's going to go to somebody outside of my bloodline, this Eliezer guy. And Abraham, Abram notices or tells God, but I don't have offspring. Um... It, it is it is one thing to be you know to be a great people and a great tribe with offspring and that is totally different to being a great nation great tribe without offspring and without land uh, one of the one of the things that really would make Abram a great nation is if there's a nation to remember him by because without offspring and without land tied to it, Who's going to propagate the story of Abram? You almost need the offspring to tell the story, right? You need the offspring to say it's in the room where it happened. That's a little quote from uh, uh, Hamilton, the musical. Um, because somebody has to carry that forward. Uh, and Abram pleads with God. He says, I don't have, I don't have any offspring. He says... Um, the, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be, will be my heir. And God heard Abram. Maybe God already knew about Abram. Now, you'll have to remember, how old is Abram? Well, when God, back in Genesis 12, when he made this promise to Abram uh, that you'd be a great nation, Abram was 75 years old at that point. Since that time, Abram traveled out of the land of Ur he uh, built two altars. Uh, he got into a famine situation, so he went to Egypt, uh, where he lived for a while and was, you know, highly respected in Egypt. And then the Pharaoh found out that this lady wasn't really uh, Abram's sister, but was actually Abram's wife. So he doesn't kill Abram; he lets Abram leave. So Abram is somewhere older than seventy-five years old at this point, and that to me is a blessing. To be able to do all this at 75 is a huge blessing. Um, but, but he has no children. He has no heirs. And it's no blood. My own flesh and blood won't be my heir. But God says to him this. He says, uh, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir and then he takes Abram outside. He says, just look at the stars. You will be, you will have more heirs and more descendants than the stars in the sky. Um, and how many stars are in the Milky Way galaxy is 61 
billion stars. Um, and, and, you know, can you count them all? You can't see them all at the same time. So, but if you just look at our Milky Way galaxy, 61 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Of course, how many galaxies are there? I think there's as many galaxies as there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. I think there's billions of galaxies and billions of stars in each galaxy. I mean, of course, you could have just been talking about the Milky Way, but just the vastness of space. I think we talked about this. If you want to really have a deep dive into that, go back into the creation story. You know, the first few episodes of Genesis, and we talk about how vast creation is. Um, but the Lord promises Abram that he will have sons. Now, uh, God will keep a promise. God doesn't need anything to keep a promise. But God continues with Abram. He says, now do this. He says, um, well, let's look at it. Verse 7. Then he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur the Chaldeans to give you this land and take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abram brought all these to him. He cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. So two things here. First of all, God gives him a covenant of land. He says, uh, I will give you the, you know, he said, I'm going to give you this great land. He goes, well, how am I going to take possession of it? How am I going to have offspring? How am I going to have land? And the Lord says, well, we're going we're gonna to do something strange here, but you're going to bring to me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, and you're going to cut it in half. And so uh, Abram takes and he cuts each of these, the goat, heifer, and ram, in half, and he puts half on one side and half on the other side, and he kind of makes a path with these disgustingly cut up animals, right? Um, and the birds come and want to feast on it. Abram's like, no, you're not going to feast. On this, and he doesn't cut up the birds of prey, uh, the birds, but he cuts up the, you know, the the heifer, the goat, and the ram. Um, and then what happens? Then, then we get this story. Um, let's look back at here. Um, uh, Genesis. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. Hold on, let me look here. Where am I? Yeah, here we go. Then we have verse twelve. As the sun was setting. Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace, and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, 
the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. And that basically is the end of that covenant. So um, Abram falls into a deep sleep and this torch, this lighted torch comes. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Now that word made a covenant is actually the Lord cut a covenant with Abram. Um, the word to make is actually cut. He, he cut a covenant. And that word is used in Hebrew to say to make, you know, make a covenant. But it comes from the fact that Abram cut these pieces and, and moved them up. And then this torch goes through the pieces. And that's God's indication to Abram that he will keep the covenant, that this is a solemn thing. Now, the interesting thing is, is if the Lord says he's going to do something, is the Lord going to do it? Absolutely. The Lord didn't do this, all this stuff back in Abram 12, in Genesis 12. Did the Lord keep his promise? Absolutely. So this whole cutting of the animals and the torch and all that, it wasn't for God. It was a sign for Abram. It was something that Abram looked at and visualized and smelled and saw and participated in uh, to, to remind Abram of this time when God made a promise to him, when he made a covenant to him. It's not for God, it's for Abram. Because when God says he's going to do something, God is going to do it. He's going to fulfill that promise. But we as humans need signs and markers and smells and sounds and flesh and we need things in our life that are markers in our life to help us remember the promises of God. Uh, and what's interesting is that, well, we have five senses. We have sight, we have smell, we have touch, we have taste, we have hearing. And um, all of that stuff is in play here, right? Um, I don't know about taste, maybe not taste, but but the smell of it was in play, the sight of it was in play, the hearing of it, you know, as you cut the, you know, kill the lamb uh, and the goat and the heifer, the, the touching of the, of the pieces and all that. I mean, all of that uh, came into play to, to remind Abram of this sacred moment. Um, I think it was Andy Warhol. Every time uh, Andy Warhol was a, artist from the 60s, if probably all you know that. <laughs> uh, if you're watching this years from now, Andy Warhol was an artist in the 60s, and um, every time he would have a new artwork, uh, he would want something to remember that artwork. He remembered at one point that the smell, the sense of smell, is the most powerful thing in the human body. It's the one thing that can bring you back. If you have ever had a grandmother or a mom that wore a certain perfume and you smell that, you're immediately drawn back to grandma or mom because of that perfume, right? Um, Old Spice, whenever I, I smell Old Spice aftershave, I'm reminded of my dad because I mean, he's still alive, but he doesn't actually wear Old Spice anymore when I'm with him now. But when, he, when we were growing up as kids, he'd always put that Old Spice on and, and walk out the door and I would remind myself. You know, so whenever I'm, I hear, I smell Old Spice, it reminds me of my dad. Um, so there are things in our life that help us remember. And God wanted Abram to remember this covenant. And so he does this 
weird thing. You know, he has him take the pieces and cut them, and then he, all the smells and the, the touch and the taste and the, and the hearing and all that, all the senses activated for Abram so that he would remember this. So it would be transferred from the left side of the brain to the right side of the brain, back to the left side of the brain, that it would be sealed in his body, that he would remember this. And he does. He does remember it. Um, and does God remember the covenant? Does God give the land that he points out to Abram? And the answer is yes, he does. Because Moses, who's writing this, brings the people to the precipice of the promised land. And um, they eventually do take over the promised land. And the Jews today are still in the promised land. The people, the descendants of Abram, are all in the promised land. I mean, it's all, it's all Abram's descendants, all, you know, all through here. Um, and God kept, God kept his promise uh, to Abram. And the number of descendants that Abram has, if we look today, you can't, you know, his number is the stars. Uh, so God, and growing. Uh, because the Christian church is the descendant also of Abram. Um, the, the, the lineage of Christ goes back to Abram. Abram goes to Christ. Uh, Christ becomes the perfect sacrifice, the perfect image of the family of Abraham. And we are all children of Abraham through Jesus. So yes, there are many, many, many people. God fulfills this promise to Abraham. Because when God ever makes a promise, he fulfills it. And we as humans, because we're sinful, we need signs, we need things to show that you know God's promises are true. Um, ergo baptism, ergo uh, communion. I mean, all these things are also reminders to us of God's promise. They're more than that, but they're also reminders to us of that. Um, so I think, I think we'll probably leave it there. That's uh, Genesis 15 and um, let you go and have a wonderful weekend. I pray that you have an awesome weekend. I'm a, just so you know, for me, uh, I am, uh, I'm doing two funerals this weekend, um, both of them uh, COVID deaths. So um, uh, they're very, very small affairs. We're not publicizing them. Uh, they're big, they're, they're not really in our congregation per se. They're associated with our congregation. Uh, I do that periodically. Um, so uh, I guess we'll have worship on Sunday and then we will have again, uh, we'll get back together in Genesis 16 on Monday morning. So thanks for joining with me and uh, pray God's richest blessings on the rest of your day and on your weekend and let's close in prayer. Gracious God, uh, thank you for every promise you've given us because you fulfilled and honored every promise that you've given us. And whenever you say something, you mean it and you fulfill it because you are unchanging. And uh, the greatest promise is that you said that we will be with you forever and that we're in your kingdom because of your son. And for that, we thank you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.